Hello, and welcome to the Miramichi Historical Linkages Podcast. I'm Sean McCarthy, joined today by Sarah Ward, Tasha Smith, and our special guest, Ken Walker. Uh, Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, Ken, uh, you know, you, you and I have known one another uh, for, for a few years now. We met one another uh, at Bears Island in 2016 or thereabouts. Uh, right before you became a member and eventually the vice president of, of that organization. And we worked together quite closely um, for a number of years. And uh, I know, like I say, you've got a, you've got a quite unique story. Uh, a lot of what we're doing here with this podcast is talking about uh, local people and maybe kind of finding out uh, some of their stories and, and how they came to be here and the connections that they've been able to make over time. And I know you've made... Uh, quite a few, uh, you know, starting in, in Flatbush in Brooklyn and, and ending up <laughs> here in Miramichi. So uh, maybe to kind of start off with, maybe you could kind of give us uh, and our listeners there's uh, kind of uh, a rendition of, of how that came to be, how you kind of started in New York and ended up uh, here on the river. Well, the easy way is they haven't caught me yet. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, okay, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, in Flatbush. Um, I'll skip a lot. I I grew up dysfunctionally. That's the easiest way of looking at it. Um, I wound up at, I started off as a nice kid. I, I, I was an altar boy. I played Little League. I was in Scouts and, you know, and... Life being what it is, um, I wound up in a street gang when I was 13. And, and now it's nothing like they have today. I mean, you know, basically, yeah, we carried knives and stuff like that. But basically it was to impress the girls. Um, that was the whole point, you know, slick hair, greased back, black clothes, the whole bit. Um, this was all pre-Beatle. Um, I grew up... Uh, dysfunctionally and negatively in the whole bit. Um, we moved a lot when I was young. I, we went from New York to California, back to New York. Um, a friend of mine was shot in Vietnam, paraplegic. He's dead now. Um, he knew some people who had left New York and went up to Ontario. And he says, you want to go visit him? i like, yeah, sure. You know, I've never been there. Well, they bought their farm from who would become my father-in-law. And um, on April 7th, which is about a week and a half or two weeks ago, my wife and I will be married 50 years. Um, Anyway, I met her. Now, when she met me, I had my motorcycle jacket on, um, and she came over on a horse, bib overalls and braids. So it was like two realities meeting. (laughs) Um, And and yet, you know, the thing is, I, I... at the time, I just did not like the states. I, I, I went through the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement, and all that crap that went on. And, and I still don't like going down there. Um, and it really, really kind of interesting. I, I was a medical photographer at the time. Um, I went to school, and I was working in a, a, what is now a teaching hospital. It was a county hospital at that time. And I worked in the morgue. Um, 
with doctors who were preparing to be pathologists, and I was doing the autopsies with them and photographing it. And then I worked on two electron microscopes, electron, um, a scanning scope and a transmission scope. So, you know, that I, I was doing pretty good. I mean, I had a lot of money and stuff. And I remember going into a motorcycle store one day with cash, bought the motorcycle and drove out, um, you know. And, 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 and in those days, you know, we're talking about the, the mid-60s by this time. And uh, then came the Grateful Dead. And I was a deadhead. And uh, all that implies, um, you know, we went on many trips with the Grateful Dead. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> it was the 60s. Um, but, but, but again, I, I went to a yoga camp and spent three weeks in, in meditation. I hated the food. Um, and now I'm a vegetarian. Um, <laughs> but the thing was, there, there was, you know, there was just something that was missing in my life. And uh, you know, and I wound up here in southern Ontario milking cows. The closest I ever got to a cow was a carton of milk. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with you know cow udders and everything else all around me. Um, and and, and I kind of got into it. I figured, hey, you know, this is real life. Um, this is where your milk comes from, and I'm the guy who's doing it. Wow. Um, <laughs> and then my father-in-law got really sick, and they had to sell the farm, and I was in no condition to buy a farm. Um, so I, I went to school in northern Ontario for forestry, and it was it was a hard thing. I, I was in northern Ontario uh, at a mill. Uh, I was doing grading and scaling, and... We just had a baby. We were living in a one-room cabin, no running water, no toilet, and mice all over the place. And everybody at the mill spoke French except me. So it was hard. Anyway, to make a long story shorter, um, I had an experience. And, and I must say, I, I looking back, um, I'll get into it later, but looking back, it was very interesting. I went to Queen's University. Um, when I was in high school, I was terrible. I remember graduating finally and going up to my, um, what do you call it, uh, vice principal, and he gave me my diploma, and he kind of smirked at me and said, never thought I'd see you here. Um, so it was kind of nice to go to Queen's University and wind up with a master's degree. I wish he had been there. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I studied philosophy, psychology, and then did a master's in um, theology. And then I became ordained in the United Church. And I spent 25 years. And Sarah, you may like this. In 1985, uh, I was out in Saskatchewan where the United Church gave its apology to the indigenous peoples. And I was part of that because I was on a reserve in Curve Lake in Ontario. And at one point, I actually held the apology, you know, and then someone said, what are you doing with it? And they took it from me. Um, but when I got back, um, Gladys Taylor, who was an elder at the time, she's long dead now, um, she thanked me for what I was doing. I'm, I feel, well, I'm, I'm doing it because it's right. That's all. And the thing is, I was the first minister ever to visit people in their houses. Well, that's what you do, you know. Um, 
and 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 I we incorporated Ojibwe into the service and stuff like that, and so she asked me one day if I would like to be adopted, and I said, "Well, I already heard about my mommy and daddy," um, and she says, "No, no, I, I want to adopt you," and I said, "Well, okay." So she adopted me with prayer and smudging, and uh, she gave me an eagle feather and a name. And I really felt incredible about that and still do. Um, I went from Ontario into general counsel for five years, and I went from St. John's, Newfoundland to Winnipeg. That was wonderful living on the road. Um, then I went back into ministry here in New Brunswick. And um, we lived in Dorchester at one point, Dorchester Cape, I should say, and then just north of Sussex. And then from there, we went out to Saskatchewan. And it was weird because when I got to Saskatchewan again, I was only 10 kilometers from where we had the apology. I thought I'd never see it again. So anyway, uh, we retired out there and came back. And I said to my wife, when, you know, I said, well, where do you want to go to? And she says, well, let's go home. And I you know, look, OK, which one? And she says, New Brunswick. Um, so we came back here, and um, we live at the base in Miramichi. It's a retirement community, and we're all there waiting for God. Um, you know, and and my son, he he's down in the Stanley area, Fort Fredericton. He's a minister in the United Church. My daughter's in Toronto, and so that's the family. And um, the interesting thing is when we were retiring um, and coming to Miramichi, I, which is strange, and I must say this. When you live south, the southern tier of New Brunswick, there is a glass wall just north of Fredericton, and you don't go past it. You stay down there. You go to Fundy. You don't go to Kuchbegwak. And I had never come to Miramichi at all. So I was looking at, what do I do? What do I do? And I found this place, Mulberry Island, off an island. So anyway, when I got here, um, we came in July, and I think it was August, I took my first boat ride over to the island. And I had a very strange trip um, with nothing on it. Um, I, 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 it had to be the light conditions or something. I'm not certain. But I got on the main trail, the Quimenigo Trail, and I looked down. And, you know, everything is in this perspective, and the horizon point is down there. And... Like I said, the light was something. And I had like a real spiritual experience. It was like, this is incredible. I felt like I was in a cathedral. I was looking for an altar way down there. But the way the trees arched over and everything went that way, it was amazing. And I never had it again, mainly because I was working every other time. Um, but the thing is, like, I, I, I was fascinated by the island, and, and like Sean said, I mean, I spent eight years on it. Um, I, I got very involved in the geology, the archaeology, uh, the ecology, the environment, everything else. Um, and it, 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 was, it was just this place to go to heal, to almost to spiritually bathe and, and, and leave the island cleansed. I, I have no way of really explaining it to people. Um, and in doing that um, with Sean, um, we got talking about our lives and what have you and past lives and what have you. And um, Sean helped me get back into the Catholic Church. 
where I started. Um, that little altar boy long ago wanted to be a monk. Then it was the 60s and I became a deadhead. Um, <laughs> and coming back, it, it was fascinating. Um, and, and, and in the last two years since I've been back, I, I feel absolutely wonderful. The, the, the interesting thing was everything I was looking for and didn't find, I found when I came back. Now, it's not the church I left, obviously, they speak English um, and, and all sorts of things like that. But I, I, I just feel wonderful. And for the past almost two years, I've been living a semi-monastic life. I, I, I do the liturgy of the hours and I, I do a lot of writing and meditation, contemplation, uh, tons of reading. And, 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 just feel, and I feel really blessed because that which I walked away from never left me. And I was able to come back, kind of like the prodigal son, except I didn't get a meal out of it or a robe or anything like that. But, you know. but that, that's basically where I am right now. And I've, I've been having problems with my knees and my back. And I've cut back on my time on the aisle. I'm 76 now, and you know, I can't keep going. Um, but it's been wonderful. And, and you know, I, I just feel alive for the really one of the first times in my life. I don't know if that makes any questions going on, but it's up to you. Well, thanks very much, Ken. Uh, maybe just kind of circle back to the island for, for a moment. Hmm. I know that was something that uh, that came up a lot in our research, is the connection between uh, people and the environment and, you know, culture, different cultures kind of looking at that through time. And I know that was something that was really important to you uh, in your video series, The Living Island, talking about, you know, kind of providing the call for people to kind of reassess our relationship with nature and maybe reconfirm uh, that relationship. So maybe uh, if you could speak a little bit uh, to that and some of the work that you've done there. Well, again, like I said, going on the island and walking around the island on the shoreline, you know, I, the, the, the geology on the north side of the island became very evident. And I mean, when you're going from the west island, west end of the island, which is 300 million years old, you're coming to the east end of the island where you see the evidence of the glaciers from 10,000 years ago. So, I mean, you're walking on one side of the island you're literally walking through time and 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 i always found that with geology that um when you're holding a rock you're holding time um i had a rock that i gave to my grandson that is the oldest known exposed rock in the world it comes from canada up in the great slave lake area and the zircons in it were estimated at three point no four point two billion years old you're holding time and if that doesn't turn you on and, and twist your head around, I don't know what does. Um, but at the same time, you're walking on the island, and this is true for many places, but I mean, the island, you, you get it in concentrated form. You, you have what I call the witness trees, and, and they're the old, uh, well, the white pines, Um The thing is, a lot of them have been, again, estimated at mid-1700s. So the thing is when, you know, like when uh, Bahibar was there with the Acadians, these trees were just starting. They were seedlings maybe. And to me, I call them the witness trees because they have witnessed the history. Now, their ancestors were there when the Mi'kmaq got there. 
and 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 so they saw the Denise and stuff like that. It's amazing. We 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 tend to look at trees and plants and stuff as just either decorations or you know a table in the making. They're living things that have experienced life longer than we have. We, you know, if we get to be a hundred, we're lucky. Um, here's these trees that are hundreds of years old. What I really love was the ancestors, or, or I should say, the descendants of the trees that were here 300 million years old. Um, we had trees uh, which were hollow but they were the size of the white pines. Um, and when you go through any kind of woods and you see these little tiny trees like this, we call them um, moss trees and stuff like that, and club mosses, and they're not even mosses. They are the descendants of these trees from 300 million years old, and they have survived the glaciers and climate change and stuff. They have diminished in size, but they have survived. And again, when, when you look at something like that, you're going, wow. And even the ferns, ferns have been around for 450 million years. Um, you know, we haven't. <laughs> and to just, just, just look at a fern, which most people go, yeah, fern. You're, you're looking at the past and, and you're looking at evolution and all of these things on the island. And, and there's different environments, mini environments on the island. And all these trees have to compete. Uh, the white pines get most of the sunlight. They're the big guys. But even these guys who live in the dark and the wet, they're surviving. And, and just to kind of go, you know, we look at life and it's like, well, how much do I have and what, where do I go and who am I? These things just sit and go, I'm breathing in some air and I'm taking in some water and maybe if I'm lucky, I'll make some little ones. And that's what they are. But that's life. And you're looking at life. And, and, and then, you know, you have the animals that run around there. We, we dealt with a, a bear one day a couple of years ago. This was pre-COVID, yeah. And we've had moose, deer, what have you. Uh, we have pictures and videos of deers swimming the river to come to the island or leaving the island. I never knew a deer could swim in a, a river before, but I, you know, like that. A jock, yes, but a deer, no. So, you know, you, you sit there on an island and all of this wonder and awe just hit you. And, and you either, you know, you either take it in and, and, and become a child or you ignore it and stay an adult, you know, and that's it. Um, I chose the child because I haven't grown up yet. Um, so, you know, it's it's a wonderful place, and it's been awarded. You know, it's it's seen now as an island of a unique diversity of environment and ecology. It uh, Just last year or the year before, the island became one of the 10 places in Canada to visit. I've been to Manitoulin Island. You know, that's a big island. It's not on the list. <laughs> oh, bears is. You know, and so the thing is, it's been an incredible time, and 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 just the idea of walking it and walking it and walking it, becoming so familiar with it, and yet at the same time, every time you passed it, it was something different. Um, what a place! <laughs> Next. 
Well, I don't know if it's so much of a question, but I was watching your videos because Sean was kind enough to send us a few. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and I just had to say, you're such an inspiration for encouraging the wonder in people. And I can see the passion and the understanding that you have gained over the years throughout your experiences. And I'm just so ever thankful that you are willing to share that with everyone that you come, I'm assuming, into contact with. <laughs> Your energy well, seems really friendly. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, but, but it is true. I, I, you know, I remember when I was young, even in even in New York, um, you, you find some place. Uh, and when I lived there, I mean, Brooklyn still had cobblestone streets, trolley cars. We used to get a block of ice for the ice box, not the fridge, and there were still woods. And we would go down to the woods and have barbecues and stuff like that. And I would just roam through the woods because it wasn't cement, you know. And the thing is, is that kids love to go to the seashore. Kids love to go to the woods. Um, I've been, I've been out, out west, even in a desert. Um, that was left over by the glaciers. And even to sit in a desert in, in Saskatchewan and just note what the wind does and how it changes, you know, the topography that you're looking at, come back next week and it could be different. Um, the, the earth is fantastic. And if, and again, this is the teaching of the indigenous peoples for Pete's sake and our ancestors at one point, the, if you, if you link yourself to the earth, you're an earthling. And I consider myself an earthling. I don't want to go to the moon. I don't want to go to Mars. I, I, I'm not even into technology. I don't even understand the computer I'm looking at. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, when I'm in the woods, I feel like an earthling. And I'm going, yes, I have evolved to be here. And technology is ruining that. And I go to Star Trek with uh, Gene Roddenberry was brilliant. When he had the Borg, if you remember that, um, the whole thing was is that the human and technology would become one. And my feeling is that's the end of evolution for us. And my attitude is we have to get back onto the earth, even on our knees and crawl around and get dirty, like every child does. And if we were children of the earth, there would be no poverty, There'd be no war. There'd be no climate crisis or anything like that. We are destroying ourselves out of greed and ego. Absolutely. I could do a sermon on that, but I won't. <laughs> Not this time, eh? <laughs> no, but, but it's true. And, and it, 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 it's a shame that we grow up. I really mean that. It's a shame we grow up because if you take a dozen kids that speak different, look different, and everything else. Eventually, they'll play a game because that's what kids do. You put 10 or 12 adults in there, get of an argument. And, and, and that's the problem too. because we grow up. Yeah, we grow up and the whole idea is like, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. A kid doesn't believe that. A kid goes, everybody's here for to play. We literally, when I was a child, this is the industry, somebody on the block would get a fridge or something like that. And there'd be a cardboard box out front, 
thrown out there for somebody to pick up. We would take a cardboard box on a Saturday and play with it. We would be inside of it. We would do all sorts of things. It was imagination. We didn't sit on our computers doing that for 24 hours. <laughs> it was up here. I grew up with radio, not television, although we had a TV in 49, a seven-inch screen. There were computer. This computer is bigger than my television in 1949. But the thing is, we listened to radio, and we had to imagine what was going on. And I, I, I don't think people have imagination anymore. They're just angry. You know, life isn't the way I want it. Well, tough. Make it. You know, I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to make your life. It's not given to you. And so, oh, I, you're back. <laughs> We're getting to the end. <laughs> anyway, I, I was going to say it's a little time we have. I hope that was worth it. I mean, yeah. Anyway, I was going to say that it's interesting because you talk about the environment so um, flourishing and so embracing. But coming from the Southwest myself, and you talk about desert area and stuff like that. You know, there's people out there that take the environment we live in for granted. And then there's other people, they like to have that kind of environment. You know, I remember growing up on the ranch, you know, there's time we didn't have rain. And we'd have to wait until it rains to graze in different parts of, you know, the area so our animals can eat. And, and then you see people take for granted their environment and you look. Know, like, you don't realize how beautiful and the beautiful place you live in. It, it, I mean, I, I have grandchildren. My youngest is seven. They're not going to live in the world that I grew up in. Um, we we grew up even with you know the threat of nuclear war and stuff like that after World War II. The thing is, we still grew up with ideals. We had hope. We had vision. That was the '60s, and it got squashed. Mm -hmm. And right now. The 21st century is the result of that squash. Well, on that somewhat somber note, uh, we'll <laughs> we'll uh, we'll draw to to uh, to a close. Um, but any more any more questions uh, before we wrap up for this week? Yeah, so it was a very inspiring inf information and in our time together. I like I liked your your message. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Ken, anything more you'd like to share before? Uh, we we close for this. Well, this, the strange thing is, like I, like I said before, I don't know why I'm even here. I'm just can be and can. I mean, there's nothing special. If people just be themselves, <laughs> and especially as they were as children, and get over this thing about being somebody, you're, you're just a kid that gets older. It, life would be a lot more fun. Well, Ken, I don't think anybody out there could say that you are not uniquely yourself. And I think we are all very grateful uh, for for that and for your taking the last, you know, a few moments to share with us, you know, your your philosophy and, you know, the things that you've noticed in your time and the lessons that, you know, that have occurred to you and that you've passed on uh, to others through your video series, these through, uh, you know, your your time, uh, just just in, in interacting with people. And we certainly benefit from this interaction uh, today. So we thank you very much for joining with us. And uh, 
yeah, and, and with that, we thank all of you uh, out there who are who are watching and are listening. And hopefully, uh, we will see you again in two weeks' time uh, with our next guest. And uh, thanks so much, and have a great couple of weeks. Thank you for having me, Artis. Absolutely. <laughs>